There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We reach for apps for every possible ailment we have. It's so simple. We come from the natural world. Just go for a walk in a forest or just around the block improves your mood immensely if you're feeling a little bit low. Well, we've all been Hello and welcome to It's Complicated with Tanya Gooden, the podcast that helps you untangle your relationship with your phone. This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world and about understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do. Because in learning how to step away from our phones more, we're actually learning how to focus more on our relationships, our work and our health, leaving us happier, healthier and with hours more time in our day. I'm your host, Tanya Gooden, author and founder of digital wellbeing movement Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest what they've learned about themselves from the relationship they have with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. So I'm chatting today to award-winning travel, lifestyle and commercial photographer Finn Beals. Finn shoots for huge global brands, the likes of Audi, Apple, Land Rover... Omega Cartier. He's an early adopter of Instagram. He is Finn, F-I-N-N, on Instagram, where he has over half a million followers. And we had a lovely chat about his relationship with technology from those very early days. We talked about the kind of transition of his relationship between the digital world and the offline world his amazing 72 hours in series which he showcases on his website absolutely stunning photography the book he's just written the photography storytelling workshop and his connection with the natural world you know, he lives in hay on Wye in wales and he credits having that really strong connection with the natural world as being one of the reasons why he doesn't struggle with overconnection with digital technology, although he uses it to great advantage, obviously. So we had a really lovely chat about what he's been doing in lockdown, writing his book, some of the campaigns he's worked on, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. 
So Finn, hi, welcome to It's Complicated. Hello, thank you for having me. So obviously we're, the podcast is all about our relationship with tech and the digital world. And you describe yourself as, one of, one of the ways you describe yourself as an early adopter of Instagram. I think I could have worked that out when I saw that your Instagram handle was just Finn, <laughs> which I oh, was yes. hugely impressed by. How did you manage to get a one a first name Instagram handle you must have been very uh, quick off the mark uh, yeah I was a, a, a definitely early early in but there's actually a little story to that because Kevin Sistrom the guy who uh, uh, yes. set up Instagram he helped me helped me adopt that name actually early on when there are only sort of five or six employees in the instagram office you could email those guys yeah i remember and, you know, it was kind of <laughs> like a direct line and they'd reply to you and uh i i just said i'm this photographer and uh, uh no no i posted a picture actually on instagram or oh, no he posted a picture on instagram and it was a picture of the office and he said we're working late into the night to bring you uh, new filters for instagram and i commented on his his picture and said oh i can make instagram filters and he emailed me straight back and said, oh, that'd be really interesting. So we struck up this little dialogue and I sent him some some looks and feels. And um, I was getting quite excited because I figured it might might turn into an actual filter on Instagram. But um, he sort of went silent for a, like a few weeks. Aww. And then I heard that he'd sold out to Facebook. Well, not sold out. It had been bought up by yeah. Facebook. And so sort of everything went in-house then. So the you know the, the the ferrari in my mind just evaporated so you never i never i never got a filter within filter. instagram no. but but <laughs> through this sort of nice relationship that we st- struck up um he got me the name the handle finn so i owe it to him so that 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 thanks to kevin for that so i don't know if you can remember when your first post was but i actually looked it up do tell Yesterday. I don't know. You're, I really don't know. Well, you're coming up for your 10 year anniversary because it was the 16th of November 2010. Wow. wow. Um, so actually, I thought it might be quite nice because I've got our episodes are going out on a Monday. I think I'm going to actually put your episode out on the 16th of November 2020, which will be your 10th anniversary on Instagram. Well, that seems um, fitting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Instagram launched on the 6th of October. So you were really quick in there on the 16th of November. And I'm so competitive. I looked up my first post. Yeah. Um, and I was the 30th of November, so you beat me, Finn, by two weeks. <laughs> but I bet, I bet there's a gap in between that picture and the next one. Because I do remember... I didn't look at that, yeah. So I do remember posting, downloading it, posting a picture, and just thinking it was another one of those, you know, filter apps. I didn't yeah. really understand the social aspect of it. And it was only when a friend at a place uh, that I was working said they were swapping from BlackBerry to iPhone to download this app called Instagram and that was about a year later I was like oh I remember that that app and I I logged back in and I saw that picture I think it's a picture of a tree yeah is that the picture it It had a bunch of likes and comments on it and I was like oh wow that's really interesting and I like dug into a little bit more and sort of found out about hashtags and you know ways of sort of floating your content to the top of the pile as it were and uh i posted another picture and put some hashtags on it and then all these sort of likes started popping up and these sort of you know real world interactions happened and that's when i thought oh this is this is really interesting it's got some some sort of 
this know, might take ta- off. <laughs> yeah, and it takes it yeah. beyond just a sort of filter app. And there were lots of them floating around then, back then. Mm. So you describe yourself and everyone else describes you as a storyteller. So I thought it might be really interesting for you to tell us a bit about your story of your relationship with the digital world and photography and how the two have become intertwined because you didn't actually start as a photographer did you You started as a web developer is that right Web developer designer yeah one of my sort of core clients back then was the hay festival which Mm. is um, a big literary festival i live in hay on my and i grew up here and I, I developed their website for them way back when. So I, I, I spent a lot of time around authors and storytellers, and, I'd, and that's actually where I started shooting. I was working with photographers who were photographing the festival for the company, and I thought, oh, I, could, I could think I could take better, better pictures than what I'm receiving. And so I literally bought a digital camera, and Peter Florence, the director of the festival, let me sort of run with it. I started shooting for the festival and then using those photographs in my design work um, because I helped out some of the print campaigns. And I sort of, I don't know, I just really loved working with people face-to-face rather than being sat behind a computer all the time. I'd spent sort of 10 years developing sites and Mm. working on sort of brochures and things. And it's, it's very kind of like solitary existence in a way or slightly disconnected because you're sort of interacting with a computer rather than a person. Real-life interactions with people that really sort of got under my skin. So I sort of actually slowly transitioned or started picking up more commissions for photography than I did design. Built myself a website solely around, around photography. Ran two websites at the same time concurrently for a while, one for... Uh, design work and websites and one solely for photography promoted the photography one through apps like instagram and twitter because that's where i wanted to head and i slowly let go of the the design work so that's kind of my my story to becoming a photographer i wasn't i wasn't trained as a photographer i didn't go to school to learn photography didn't do a degree in it and i am 100 percent self-taught or self you know through experience i guess cut my teeth at the festival and what was it about instagram i mean you've told us a little bit about you know kind of when you worked out that engagement was what was going to make it different but what was it about it that you know i mean you've built up a huge following on there made you put some focus or attention into it were you were you taking photographs specifically for instagram or were you taking your kind of offline photography work and posting them on the app or was there a kind of well, you know, no, was there I, a split between what you were doing in the different no, mediums? A bit, bit of both, really, and still to this day, I share sort of professional work and personal work on there. But back, back then, in those sort of early days, it was a really sort of, it felt like a, a, a really nice collaborative arts platform. And, you know, it was comprised mainly of photographers and, and mm. artists. There were no egos. There certainly wasn't any money in, in in Instagram, that's definitely yeah. changed the game with things like sponsored posts and things. And I, I live in Hay. It's it's pretty remote. I am a creative person, and I thrive off sort of creative relationships. And I develop some really wonderful 
friends on that platform and I, and I call them real world friends now because I, I've gone to visit them and I've shot with them and you know I have friends in sort of Montana and LA and Japan and France and Germany all these places and I would never have met them if it wasn't for that app so I forgot what your question was now but that I, th- I think it's what I liked about Instagram wasn't it that was yeah whether you were of... shooting different things for Instagram whether you sort of I mean, obviously, the iPhone camera was so awful. We weren't getting great quality photography. So were you shooting stuff, you know, offline and then uploading it? Were you doing things specifically with Instagram? How with iPhone? Using... It was, yeah. yeah, it was a definite thing back then. iPhone only was the hashtag. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a thing to shoot with your iPhone. And you say the quality was terrible, but when I look back on those, some of those early photos, I quite kind of like them. Well, I think we thought the quality was good. I remember thinking it was amazing. But then now, I mean, you look look at the lenses available. Yeah, but they look a bit grainy and they look a bit crappy. But I don't know. I I think the sort of development of digital cameras, they've become so sort of clinical, so sharp. Yeah. It can sometimes rob the feeling from an image. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's interesting the whole sort of filter, the whole concept of a photo filter. This is almost like degrade a digital picture, knock it back a little bit. Mm. Those early those early filters certainly did that. Add a big you know heavy vignette around it, add some grain to it, and I still do that sort of stuff when I'm doing working on images that I shoot today. But in terms of what I was sharing on that platform it was mostly stuff shot from around here and that was probably because that got the most response from people so it was a sort of validation aspect of the content that I was sharing I'm sort of used to these views but a lot of people from other parts of the world weren't so Mm. beautiful misty mornings on a a September day it was I'd I'd photograph them because it looked nice and I'd share it and then all these lights would pop up and so people would sort of say, oh, I never knew whales looked like that. <laughs> like, well, if you get up at 6am and climb the top of a mountain, that's yes, it does. And when did you start your 72 hours in series? Because I must say I, I got lost in a complete rabbit hole on your website looking at all your different <laughs> 72 hour stories, which are so beautiful. Thank um, you. Um, beautiful um, just seems a really inadequate adjective, actually. But um, oh, that's really kind. When well, did you start with that? Was that an Instagram thing? Was that a, no, a you know, website no. thing? Or that relates to the festival um, ah. because I was shooting for them. They they moved overseas pre Instagram, so this was more than I ten didn't years know ago. That. So they run hay festivals overseas, do they? I've never known. Yeah, that. yeah, Colombia, oh. Mexico, India, the Maldives. Bangladesh. I travelled to all of these places and because the festival ran over a weekend, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was essentially shooting for 72 hours, yeah. a little bit longer than that. But that was the sort of the core uh, festival. And I'd shoot little stories either side of the work that the festival were commissioning for me. And those formed the, the very beginnings of that series. So I think Colombia is on there. Mexico, India, they were all shot as like a sort of side project, a personal project, whilst I was working for the Hay Festival. I have to say, I absolutely loved um, Rwanda. 
Was that yeah. not a festival? I mean, seeing the gorillas was just oh, no, mesmerising. No, yeah, it was a really, really wonderful trip. That was that was a commission for Audi magazine of all <laughs> publications. They they're a really nice editorial client that I've shot a lot of work for, and they just do really nice travel stories and mm. approach me for some of the sort of more crazy ones. And that really was ridiculous. We were sort of hiking up through a bamboo-covered volcano, myself and a journalist, searching for a family of a gorilla. And we, yeah, we found them, a family of 27. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was really amazing. There were, there were two silverbacks in the group, actually, which was really interesting. There was a, a, a sort of dominant male, and he was, he was coming to the end of his life, and our guides were saying that it's very rare for a group to have two silverbacks in 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 the group and they reckoned that he was sort of grooming the younger one to take over the family family dynamic it was yeah it was really special really cool so did you very consciously use instagram to get work in the early days and is that still what happens do people find i mean your reputation now is you know much obviously much bigger than that but do people still find you via there Do, do you get work via instagram yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of art buyers or editors, magazines follow me. As I said earlier, I share personal work as much as I do commercial work on there. So if there's something that they see in the personal work or that connects with a brief that comes in across their desks, then they'll usually sort of tap me up, send me a message and say, we've got a really nice brief, it suits suits your style. That tends to be how the commercial world of photography works a brief will come in and an agency that will will look for a photographer that sort of connects with that brief. So, yeah, it's it's massively valuable. I I do much less sponsored post work on Instagram than I I did. I did, I have done that before, but I would say I'm, I'm more commissioned outside of Instagram that people find me through the platform. It's interesting because I have spoken to a few photographers over the years who've said that they think Instagram and the kind of ease of now being able to take you know much better quality photos with the kit we've all got has devalued photography online and that it's harder and harder for photographers to make money how have you managed to make it work when so many others haven't and what do you do about issues like copyright because again that's you know a big issue when I talk to photographers who say but it's so easy for people to screenshot reproduce our pictures but it's tiny it's a tiny resolution file so what are they going to do with that yeah I mean it's not going to work for print is it but you know if they want to put it online somewhere they can yeah they can do it and use it they could but they could do that off your website yeah, I'm yeah. not really down with like watermarking my images in that respect. I don't. The money is in commercial work, really, so it's it's shooting commercial briefs for sort of advertising. I, d- I don't really have a problem with with putting putting my work up on Instagram and you know, if someone sort of pinches a tiny little what are they nine hundred by nine hundred pixel image. Yeah, it would annoy me, and uh, I've had it in the past. Actually, I have had someone take a picture from my website. I won't name them here, I won't name them, name the company here, but I've chased it up and I have gotten paid for it mm-hmm. um, as a result. I use that brilliant thing, there's a brilliant website called Way Back When. 
Oh, yes, I know that. It's great, the, isn't it? Yeah. Internet machine. So you can sort of like go back and see how long they've been using the image. Yeah. And then I sort of, you know, use things like Getty Image Calculator, which can give you a, a price based on usage. And, the, and then and set them a bell. <laughs> and then I send them a bell. And I, you know, I was like, listen, here, so, and you, uh, it's really tempting when you see someone using your image just to fire them an email and go, what are, what are you doing? And, and immediately they'll, they'll take it down. And then you've kind of lost any sort of leverage. So I, yeah. what I do is just like, no, don't calm down. <laughs> sit, <laughs> sit in your chair, do the, do the due diligence. So I take screenshots of everything and then I use that Wayback Web machine and then you can get a, a, an understanding of how long they've had it on their website. And then you just send them a very measured response <laughs> and uh, they come back going, okay, thumbs up, you got me. Oh, Brilliant. Or, you know, yeah. And nice. they paid. They did. They absolutely That's did. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. And now a message from our sponsor, the Time to Log Off Academy. As Karen Carpenter almost said, logging off is hard to do, particularly during a pandemic. Before we know it, our screens become our masters rather than our servants. And we find ourselves mindlessly scrolling through our phones, obsessively chasing likes on social media, or endlessly checking our work email on the weekends. If any of this sounds familiar, some digital healing may be in order. The experts at the Time to Log Off Academy can help you see which areas of your life are suffering due to screen dependency. They'll guide you through workable solutions so you can build a healthier, happier relationship with your screens and spend more time with pets, people and Mother Nature. The Academy's convenient online courses are available now and fans of It's Complicated can save with a strictly limited pandemic offer. To get 25% off your digital well-being course, visit academy.itstimetologoff.com today and use the code NOW25 while this offer lasts. So, so much of what you do is around travel. What has happened <laughs> in the pandemic? I mean, I, I know I've had a look at the, your wonderful COVID-19 album um, uh, that you've got on your website of, of some of the pictures you've taken of your family in the local area. I loved, by the way, your lockdown loaf film. Oh, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> that was so good. Like everyone um, else, we're just making bread, yeah. It was beautiful, though. It was really lovely. Um, um, so what what do you do though? What does I know you're not really a travel photographer, but so much of what you do is travel. What what do you do in a pandemic and kind of going forward? How are you gonna? Well, it adapt? stopped. I mean, it yeah. stopped for three months. So I wrote a book, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. We are um, going to talk about that, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like work is starting to come back in. Actually, I mean, I, I shot a, a really big job in Italy six weeks ago for the South Tyrol Tourist Board. And that's a classic example of an art buyer who kind of knew of me on Instagram. They knew the type of work that I was putting out. And this brief came in. It was all about encounters between different people that you meet in South Tyrol, these unique characters that you meet out there. And I've that sort of stuff, you know, like people interacting. I did a nice piece in Pelion in Greece which is in the oh central. I saw those they were right. lovely yeah. so that's what was referenced when we yeah. got on the creative call with the agency that they'd seen so that's sort of tiding me over at the moment but in terms of long terms it's going to be tricky I'm writing another book the oh. publishers have commissioned me to write another one let's um, talk about your one that's just about to come out actually 
So it will be out by the time this <laughs> podcast episode launches. So the Photography Storytelling Workshop. Tell yes. us, tell us about that book. So this was this entirely a lockdown project? Kinda. It's just turned up today, actually. I had it in oh, my hand. How's that? It's the first, first time I've seen it. Kind of. I signed the contract with the publisher in January, I think it was. So it coincided nicely with lockdown in terms of mm. being able to write it. But it's it's based on a video workshop that I did with a good friend who I met on Instagram, a guy called Alex Stroll. And I shot a, a six-hour video workshop in Portugal. And the camera follows me as I pitch and prepare and shoot and edit and deliver a classic Finn Beals story for a client. And the, and the, and the client was a, a vintage Land Rover company. And um, the sort of camera f- sort of follows me as I go through all of those different stages. And we put it out on the internet and it did really, really well. I had this fantastic response from lots and lots of people. And lots of people are sharing videos on Instagram of them watching the workshop and they're all mm, writing I've notes. I've seen some they, of those. Yeah. Right. And they were writing notes as they were watching it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, well, there's a bunch of theory at the start of the workshop in terms of how you break down a story and the sort of the methodology that I use. And I just thought this, this could work really nicely with a, as a book. And a publisher reached out to me and said we really like the way you write on Instagram so presumably they've been following um, have you got any any ideas in terms of a book have you ever thought about doing a book and I, I suggested turning the workshop into one mm. and uh, they pitched it to their board and they came back and said yeah sounds great so you know we signed we signed a deal and then I, I had the time in lockdown to actually write it because man it takes some focus yeah, gift of time. Life. Yeah, 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 completely. You know, and the world sort of slowed down a bit and um, allowed me. You know, a lot of my shoots were postponed or cancelled. So it was a, it was, it was perfect in that respect. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And what's your follow-up? You just said you're writing a follow-up as well. Yeah, that's more more of a sort of coffee table book, so it's based around the photography that I'm... The 72 Hours Project. Yeah. But also interviewing some other photographers, asking them how they do what they do, why they do what they do, where they do it. Beautiful. This is, this is more of a photos. sort of practical Practical, book. yeah. Yeah, a how-to how to be a commercial photographer today, I guess. Yeah. Because there's, there's you know, a few strings to your bow. You know, a bit like I was saying about chasing up copyright infringement. You know. Is that in the book? It's what? not, actually. I, I, should, I just I think that's probably going to be... Oh, it'll be a great chapter. <laughs> but I think but it's going to be the up. most useful thing, actually, yeah. just what you've just told me. Yeah. yeah. But there is a bunch of stuff in there. Like, there's a whole chapter about pitching. And, you talk you about know. pricing, don't you? About how to price. Is that yeah, in do, there? Yeah, yeah, there's some stuff about pricing and yeah. usage. Because and, and, I think creative people, I mean, I don't think of myself as creative, but I've worked with a lot of creative people. I think that whole aspect, the commercial side, is something yeah. that a lot of creative people find very difficult. You know, asking for money, assessing what you're worth, yeah. chasing up something like the copyright infringement. I can imagine lots of photographers listening to that thinking, oh, you know, I could never do that. Yeah, it's quite... it's, it's very hard sort of valuing something that you enjoy doing mm. I think and I think that's part of the problem but if a company's using it to increase the value of their company or increase you know it has it has it value, has value. Yes. undoubtedly has value and you mustn't yeah. give it away although saying that you know there are obviously instances where the creative is fantastic and it's going to add to your portfolio. And if they haven't got the budget that you're asking for, then you always negotiate down if you want to do the job and you can foresee that content landing you other work further down yeah. the line. It's a sort of long game in that respect. But there's also sort of power in saying no. It's tricky. I have I have a great agent and I've learned a lot from her and the way they value what I do. And usage is a, a huge part of determining the cost of a photograph. You know, the more places it's used, the more value it has, because the more value it has for the company. And I, I, there's a sort of, there is a little chapter in the book, actually, with an email copy that you can copy and paste to sort of help get that across to your client, because it's usually the sort of stumbling block with clients. They don't really understand usage. They sort of say, well shooting the pictures so therefore I own them I can yeah. do what I want with them and they're like well that's not really right you know it's like a book you know you, you can buy a book but you don't own the words within the book so clients them. all over the world are now going to get emails and say this yeah. photographer's been reading Finn Bill yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it might start to fail they might you know, come back with some legalese left <laughs> but it's worth fighting for because if you can get a decent licensing number on your on your work that you know you get paid for the three-year 
license then in three years time if they're still wanting to use those yeah. photographs you can get another another check in the mail you know it's it's only fair really yeah i mean it's the equivalent of repeat fees isn't it for um actors sure. and you know that's sure. how they make a lot of their money their work being shown over and over again same um, with the music industry you know? totally yeah I want to segue a little bit more into your own relationship with technology because I'm conscious as you're kind of explaining your background that, I mean, obviously I run Time to Log Off and we're all about digital well-being, but your profile fits exactly <laughs> the type of people that we normally help who struggle to disconnect. So you're an early adopter, mm. you know, you were, you were a web developer, you were building websites you were using tech very early on. A lot of those people are the ones that are struggling more and more to kind of disconnect. How would you describe your relationship with technology now? And has it changed in, let's say, the 10 years since you joined Instagram? Not massively. I use it as a, a method to promote my professional work. It's not, I don't have the camera on me. I have trouble connecting with my Instagram these days. I think that's that's more where I'm at. You know, I I feel like I get anxious when I'm enjoying myself outside. I I, I garden a lot. Mm. I I grow vegetables. I and have done since I was in my early twenties. So I have this sort of nice sort of physical connection with the natural world. And on that level, I'm pretty keyed into the seasons. Living on the side of a mountain in Wales, yeah. You know, I, I spent my whole weekend. I don't know what it was. Where are you based? Are you based in London? Yes, I am. Yeah. Was it raining all weekend? It was yeah, pouring it was, with rain all weekend. <laughs> absolutely tipping down here. And I spent the entire weekend like a drowned rat digging drainage tunnels around my house. You know, I, you know and I, I kind of, my anxiety comes from, oh, I should be shooting more or I should, should be sh- shooting and sharing this. But I, I really don't have the time to... <laughs> And I don't have the enough of an urge to. I, I don't. I don't like sharing everything mm. online. I, f- I really feel like Instagram changed a little bit when stories came along. You know, and people started sharing every aspect of their lives online, and I don't really go in for that. So, do you have? you know whether they're kind of conscious or you know unconscious rules about what you won't share because I noticed you do share your family yeah you know the lockdown loaf was lovely because that was your wife and daughter wasn't it making the yeah bread yeah and I have always photographed the family I guess um I always check with them whether they're okay with it and they usually well, they always are very honest about it. And like, so my daughter would be like, no way, you're putting that on Instagram, Dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Daughters all over the world say yeah, that. Yeah. 100% <laughs> vetoed. Um, but I, I, like, I think I like show them in a good light. I'm not ever showing any sort of compromising picture mm. of them. So what was the question? Is there stuff you don't share very deliberately? I mean, you don't share yourself, do you? you you're, I no, mean, I like most I, photographers, you don't, I don't like, like being in front of the camera. I really don't. And I, I, I think that's where 
Instagram has been great for me actually because I'm not massively an extrovert. I am having social media actually gives me a voice without me having to get up and <laughs> talk to five hundred thousand people. You know, <laughs> the thought of doing that sort of fills me with dread. But yeah, it's a lot easier to say things and have things to say via that platform. But uh, I need to make something. To I get a bit jittery if I don't create something. So working in the garden versus shooting a campaign they're both they're both creating they're both producing something so I don't feel like I'm I, I need to sort of disconnect from my phone in that respect it's just a method of putting stuff out there and did it was that more has it changed because I know you you moved from London didn't you to hey well I grew so up you were here. working and living in London at one stage yeah but this is where I'm from originally yeah, I'm just wondering um, if your relationship changed because that connection with nature, which is yeah, um, well, so powerful if you live in such a beautiful place, is, is a pull that takes you away from, you know, getting too caught up in... Well, it's true. I never really digital. felt comfortable in London. It's not my place. Cities are not, are not my place. And part of the reason for coming back here was that. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think being outside just going for walks you know things like these sort of mindfulness apps like that calm app it's worth millions now isn't it yeah and it yeah. sort of plays you simulated sounds of running water or I trees know. rustling and it's just like just <laughs> why not go and find go a tree a <laughs> just go for a walk every day you know i think yeah. i think we try we reach for apps for every you know possible ailment we have today and it's 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 so simple we come we come from the natural world and just going for a walk in a forest or just going for a walk around the block improves your mood immensely if you're feeling a little bit low. I'm always really struck by the most popular screensavers and desktops are all nature. Yeah, yeah of course. And I think, you know, like you, I think why not actually go out in nature? <laughs> yeah. Um, instead but, of sitting and looking at a view on your laptop. Yeah. But that's totally understandable, though, because like evolutionary-wise, we we've hardly developed at all in the last sort of five hundred years, because you know evolution takes millions of years. Mm. Yet there are more people living in cities than there are in rural communities now than ever before, and so yeah. that is actually a fairly artificial environment, a city, you know, built around humans. But it's not actually where we've come from from an evolutionary level. So our bodies are sort of a little bit sort of disconnected in a way, our bodies and our minds, I think. Yeah, I think that's why there's been a huge growth in this kind of mindfulness movement because we're all looking for that, that you know, connection that we've lost. Yeah, um, I, going back to the sort of planting thing and gardening to sort of plant and nurture and harvest and then cook a meal for your friends... It's it's the very essence of well-being in that respect. Yeah. You know, it's like a true physical... It's nothing to do with my phone or my digital online world. And I would say I live that sort of life as much as I do online. It's so interesting. That's... There's been a massive explosion of gardening during lockdown. Yeah, I find that really Which interesting. Which is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I did find that really interesting, yeah.
so I like to finish the podcast with three questions, Finn. Oh, right. Um, so bearing in mind this podcast is for people who might struggle with disconnecting or who might be looking for kind of answers of how to get a better balance between the offline and the online world. So if you had one thing to say to people about their to think about about their tech habits or the way they use the digital world, what would that be? Um, okay. Well, that relates to what we've just, talk, just been talking about. Yeah, I would say that yeah. real-world experiences are more rewarding than virtual ones. You know, we sort of reach for an app all too quickly. But if you make the time to go for a walk, in the same way you make time to watch TV or look at your phone, I think you'll be a better, you'll feel better about it. A pretty simple. It's a pretty simple answer. Mm. But, um, Put down your phone and go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if we look for more sort of profound fixes to sort of mental health, sometimes. I mean, I, I know that's a bit simplistic to say, but um, well, I think most people feel better after a walk, don't they? I mean, I, I think we've even got research that shows that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's sort of in, enjoy it for what it is, and it it really will help you stay in in the moment. And that's what all these sort of yeah. mindfulness methodologies are based around so yeah that would be my my one thing to say so my next question is if you've got a specific tip around getting a good balance so i i I actually want to ask you one thing are you one of those people that use your phone as your alarm clock do you kind of sleep with your phone or is that a a no i don't i don't have an alarm clock i get up really early okay so one tip would be to develop habits i go to bed very early i hate the news today so i don't sort of stay up to watch that i sleep pretty well i get up pretty early do like do a bit of yoga in the morning go for a walk and then come in for breakfast that's that's my sort of routine in the mornings and just just developing a sort of habit around your day rather than just sort of like especially during lockdown you know when everyone when if you're not at work you're not going to work. That's sort of a, a, a habit that you've formed. And I think if you're a little bit s- stuck or drifting through the day, I think that's when your, your mind can start attacking you in the wrong ways. So yeah, I've just read On the Black Hill by Bruce Chatwin, or re- reread it, and I, that really sort of hit home reading about those farming communities in the um, early 1900s and how sort of how habitual their living was actually and how... Mm. rhythmic it was so friday would be the baking day when they make all their welsh cakes and then you know in the morning if they follow the cattle and it's just like just having that routine helps you stay in the moment again and following the seasons as well yeah yeah you know we've kind of really got out particularly in cities really got out of sync with haven't we Yeah. yeah yeah totally I think I think that that again is the connection to the natural world, isn't it? And the, mm. the sort of natural rhythm. And the last question: What have you learnt about yourself from your relationship with my phone, the digital world, your phone, Instagram? You know, kind of any aspect. That there, there's great value in being bored. I think I think phones are like hugely distracting. Um, and we all know that, but checking news headlines and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, it, it, it reduces the boredom, but that distraction prevents you from thinking creatively or a little deeper, and I think that's kind of annoying. So, you know, deep, deep work, good work mm. requires focus. 
and I, I felt that during lockdown because so much was going on and I could could sort of like dig into the writing and getting this book out the door. So yeah, being bored. Yeah, it was a lovely pause, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. a pause from all the other distractions. I'm really struck as well by you talking about all the people that you've met through Instagram, but then have connected with in real life. Yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> that's really, I think, you know, one of the values of social media is that you get to meet this huge number of people, but actually it's the connecting in real life as a result of it that is the value, isn't it, really? I think that's huge. I think that's huge. And that, and that uh, I've travelled around the world and photographed with these friends that I've developed relationships with, and I, I, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to meet people, especially for me living in the hills in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it sounds very appealing I must say and looks very appealing from your beautiful photography thank you um, I wouldn't swap it I have to say it's a nice way of life it's not always easy you know when you're draining your house and there's like a flood coming yeah, down yeah digging a ditch or... in the yeah, torrential rain yeah. doesn't sound much fun <laughs> yeah it's but it's it's kind of rewarding it's all like goes back to messing around on beaches damming little streams you know it's yeah. like a sort of grown up version of that and uh, my son was helping me out and you know, we were cursing all the way through it, but then we get inside and we're steaming and having a hot cup of tea and a, a biscuit. It's, it's, I kind of, it's kind oh, of nice. that's the bit I'd enjoy. Yeah, but you need you need the first bit. Don't you need you? the first bit. Yeah, life, life is about balance. You know. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's you got you got to have both to enjoy the the good bits. So thank you so much for joining me. Your book, Finn's book, the photography storytelling workshop, is out now. So I want to encourage everybody to. Go and get it. And how can people find you, Finn? Give us your... Oh. Obviously, your Finn on Instagram. N. yes. Um, my Twitter, unfortunately, yeah. doesn't follow that. It's Finn Beals. It's my full name. And my website is made for, madebyfinn.com. Made by Finn. Yeah. Lovely. So thank you very much. Uh, you're most welcome. Thanks for having me on. It's been nice chatting. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.